Psalm is uh, apropos for today, for the state of our world. Some of my colleagues are using this only to preach on the state of Ukraine. But listen for a word from God as it comes from a, to us from the 27th Psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after. To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God, of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. He is strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The third chapter of Philippians is an early statement on Christology that goes like this. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, and their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters whom I love and long for my joy and crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. And from the chapter, the 13th chapter of Luke, in the 31st verse, comes this very odd encounter that Jesus has with some Pharisees. And we'll unpack it as we go. 
At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, You go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. Yet today and tomorrow and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. See, your house has left you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Friends, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. A couple of weeks ago, the dog that you gave me as a welcoming present turned four. Which means in a couple of weeks, we will share and celebrate a four-year anniversary. And you'll be happy to know that I have learned a few things over the past years. I know, for example, that I hate our parking lot. I know that anytime I come here to worship, I can count on good music. And we thank you. I know that every time I see Ted Owen, he will have a good story to tell. I know that every time I see Jill Flanagan, she will have something encouraging for our children. I know that this has been the best four years of my life, and being your pastor is still the greatest privilege of my days. And there is at least one other thing I've learned over the course of this four years. I have learned that one of the things you really, really don't like is when I mention anything about politics from the pulpit. Am I right? I'm right. Well, we have a problem today. Because this Luke text is all about politics and politics only. Here we see how political Jesus really was. Because he was a political animal and you get it in this text. And not only that, but I've mentioned this before. I don't exactly agree with you on this point that politics don't have any place here. The life and ministry of Jesus was incredibly threatening to the authorities of his day cultural, religious, and political. In fact, Jesus was killed by the government 
for causing an insurrection. Now, years ago, when I started this work, I had to stop now and explain to everybody what an insurrection was. Now we know. And whether or not you agree on what happened on January 6th, you at least know what the word insurrection means, don't you? Y'all might define it a little differently depending on your political persuasion, but you know the word and you know it has something to do with politics. And today in the text we share, we find evidence of Jesus brewing political trouble. We learn that some of the Pharisees come to warn him in the place that he's teaching and preaching and healing. To get away from that ruthless Herod. Now understand, this is not the Herod that tried to kill Jesus when he was an infant. This is his son, the Herod who beheaded Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And, you know... Pharisees in the Bible never really seem like they're out to help Jesus in any way. And don't get confused that today is any different just because they come and say, Herod wants to kill you. You better run, dude. Seems like a nice thing on the surface, right? But no. No, not really. They come up to Jesus and say, hi, we're on your side. Get out of here before Herod gets after you. See, we're your friends. We're looking out for you. But Jesus' answer betrays their opinions. Jesus very clearly says, You tell that fox. Who, by the way, I know you're in touch with because you're just his puppets and I know you'll go back and tell him what I'm telling you now. You go tell him to pound sand. I ain't going nowhere until I'm ready to go. What do you think of that? Jesus says, I have ministry to do. I have teaching and preaching and healing to make happen. And I'm going to work for three days in my ministry. And then I'll go into Pilate's territory and become his problem for a while. What do you think of that? By the way, this is the exact opposite of what happens in the last three days of Jesus' life when they first take him to Pilate and then he passes, tries to pass Jesus off to Herod and Jesus ends up back with Pilate. Now Herod tries to pass him off to Pilate by getting him to leave and go to another jurisdiction and it doesn't work because Jesus says, I ain't going till I want to. Look around our world. 
Imagine if some of our great dictators were sitting in this room and I said to them, we ain't doing nothing we don't want to do. Pound sand. My fate would not be very positive, would it? And in fact, in Lent, this text appears because we know that Jesus' fate, well, his days are numbered. And part of the way he'll end up there is Herod, and part of the way he'll end up there is the Pharisees. But both of those people were political in their nature. Jesus goes on to make this beautiful lament about Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Tell Herod not to worry because I'm going to end up in Jerusalem. And oh, how I wish, oh God, how I wish they would listen to me. But they won't. They'll kill him just like they've killed all the prophets that have gone before him. And there's a lesson in that for us. Yes, in our political lives. I have two great fears as a preaching pastor. One is that the reason that we as mainline Protestants don't evangelize well is because we don't have anything to say. That is to say that God is not moving in our lives and making changes that are sufficient enough to get us excited about telling other people about what's happening. That is a great fear of mine. The second one is that the reason that we don't want to hear about politics or anything we think is remotely political from the pulpit is because we have not previously been thoughtful enough about the way it interacts with our faith. Here's the thing. If your faith means anything to you, it should be the foundation of your life. We don't have to be those reactionary people who say, well, I'm this way, so I have to think this. No, we are people of faith. Well, I am a Christian, and I have studied the scripture and prayed and looked to my God for the answers. And this is what I believe. And this is why. Jerusalem, you kill the prophets because you won't listen. You won't be thoughtful. You won't be faithful. The stronghold of your life doesn't mean anything. (laughs) 
what, what, what? Jesus goes on to the next part of this text. Having lamented that the people kill the prophets, they won't listen, they won't pay attention. How do the people do that? Through corrupt politicians. But you see what Herod does, because it's the same kind of thing that we hear from Paul when he talks about governments. Governments, he says, God puts in place for our good. Don't laugh. He says that. Jesus lambasts Herod at the beginning of this text, but not all throughout. He could say, Herod is a corrupt so-and-so, dirty so-and-so, and I just told him to pound sand, and that's what he ought to do, and forget about anything else. No, he says, go tell Herod I'm going to do what I want. And y'all... Y'all, pay attention to me. It's not just about Herod, and it's not just about corrupt politicians. It's about the people themselves. Jerusalem, you kill prophets. You're not paying attention. You're not living out your faith. The prophets are coming to you to tell you what God has in store, and you can't even... Pay attention. Not only can you not pay attention, you get so mad, you kill the people bringing you the good news. Let's see, here's the good news. We, the people, don't always live out our faith. And sometimes we can't because we're surrounded by corruption and evil. But like a hen gathers her brood, God gathers us in. The stronghold of our life is our faith and our foundation. Psalm 27, when evildoers assail me and devour my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, they stumble and fall. People of Ukraine hear this, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. And why? Because I have asked the Lord to live in the house of God all the days of my life. And God will not hide from me. My head is lifted up above my enemies all around me and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. 
And this psalm is beautiful because it also says, not only, God, am I confident that you will be here for me and gather me in as a brood of chicks, but you also will teach me when I don't know. Lead me on a level path. Don't give me up to the will of my adversaries, for they are breathing violence. But believe, but I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Friends, this day, take advice from Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen.